This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia, and we are powered by Podmetrics. Podmetrics is a platform we use to get all the data we need for our show, from who listens to us all the way to where they are. Podmetrics takes care of all of that so we can make better content for you. You can even integrate Podmetrics with Facebook and YouTube so you can get more data from your live streams. So, if you're a podcaster or want to start your podcast, go visit podmetrics.co and sign up for free. Use our code DOGBEHINDHUMAN. So we don't want to be hugging our dogs in front of our toddlers. And Mm -hmm. we don't want to be grabbing our dog's face and giving their faces kisses in front of our toddlers. Hey guys, you're listening to the Dog Behind the Human podcast with me, your host, Doug Coach Francis. And we have our special guest on the other line. We have the owner and trainer for Pooch Parenting, Michelle Stern. Hello, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right, Michelle, please tell us something about Pooch Parenting. What is Pooch Parenting? Well, that is a really good question. So I'm a certified professional dog trainer. And when I was trying to figure out how I could make myself stand out in the world of dog training, I realized that my entire life had really led up to one thing. And that is working with families who have kids and dogs. And so it's sort of a weird path that got me here. I was it an animal person from a child? I volunteered in a shelter and went to camp there and did all kinds of volunteer work. I worked for dog grooming shops and veterinary offices when I was a kid. Then when I got to college, organic chemistry got in the way and freaked me out. So I decided <laughs> not to be a vet, which is what I thought I was going to do. And I ended up becoming a teacher and I taught high school biology for eight years. And then I had kids. And then while my kids were little, I started a cooking school for kids, which is wow. like, it's interesting. You, I want you to imagine toddlers with knives. Okay. So we'll just <laughs> stop there. And then you'll realize actually that between my 16 years of teaching experience and my love of animals and the fact that I could do toddlers with knives means that puppies and children is a no brainer, right? So puppies mm-hmm. are you know, sharp, the way that cooking objects are sharp. And so I sort of felt that I could juggle and support families. You know, in all of my years of being a teacher, I not only helped the kids and helped them to get from where they started to where their goals were, but I also was able to support their parents. And I find that in the dog training world, it takes a very special soft touch to support families who have children and dogs at the same time because it's such an emotional time for them that parenting kids alone is hard. And you've heard the expression, it takes a village. And Mm -hmm. I believe that it does. But if you add a puppy who's biting and chasing to the mix of that, you know, a lot of parents feel like they're going to lose their mind. And so all of these years of of dabbling, of being a parent myself, you know, raising two kids. I have one biological daughter and an adopted son. So I understand what it's like to add kids to your family in all sorts of ways. Plus all my years of teaching really led me to this really perfect niche of 
working with families who have kids and dogs. And so I'm just so excited about it. All right. Who was that? That's my dog, Barley. All right. Hello to, hello to Barley. All right. So that sounds pretty awesome. And I've been doing training as well for quite some time now. And one of the more common questions or cases that is brought to me and asked to me is, Coach, what do I do? Because we're having a baby or we have a, a toddler now and we are thinking we're going to get a dog. So those are the more common cases. And usually, you know what they say, right? Toddlers and puppies, they don't really mix. Would you agree with that? You know, I, I, I wouldn't say that they don't mix. I would say they don't mix if you're not prepared. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of families have these visions of raising babies and toddlers and dogs together and they'll be best friends and it's going to be perfect. And I love the idea of that in concept, but it takes a lot of work to sort of make the execution of that effective. And so, you know, you need to use a lot of management. You need to be able to recognize dog body language. A lot of dogs are terrified of toddlers because they're kind of like little unpredictable little alien creatures, you know, they're, <laughs> They're, they fall down a lot and they make a lot of noise. And I think with the right kind of preparation, it's it's doable. I did put together at the start of the pandemic, I put together two online courses because I knew that parents were struggling with exactly the things you're talking about. And I wanted to have a resource that they could turn to no matter where they are and no matter you know what the world circumstances are. And so mm -hmm. um, one of them is called preparing dog for new baby. And mm -hmm. it's all the things you can do if you have a dog while you're pregnant or adopting and you're in the process of getting, you know, your new little human to join your family. And then the other class is called parenting toddlers and dogs. And that one is, I think that one is like the true lifesaver one because, you know, a huge percentage of dog bites happen to toddlers because they are doing things that are scary and unpredictable. And for a dog, a, a newborn baby that just sits there isn't that much of a threat. You know, it may startle and make sudden movements and make crazy weird noises, but for the most part, it sits still. My husband used to call little tiny babies larva. He said, you know, <laughs> they don't really do very much, but as soon as they start rolling and crawling and reaching and grabbing, now the dog is thinking, oh gosh, you know, what am I dealing with here? This, this is no good anymore. And so a dog who may be tolerant of a baby as soon as motion and all these other new developmental stages, which are totally normal when they start to take place, the dog has, has different ideas. And so I do feel like, you know, one of my goals as a dog trainer is to prevent families from needing from feeling like they need to turn their dog into a shelter or mm -hmm. work. I don't even want to talk about the alternative, but if we can prevent accidents before they happen, if we can teach families to recognize, oh, look, your dog is, is getting worried and let's figure out why. And then let's intervene and actually help your dog feel safe. Then the dog no longer feels like it needs to growl or use its teeth, right? And so we could literally be saving the life of the dog from preventing it from making a, a you know, life altering mistake, 
or we could obviously we could save the life of a child or perhaps prevent an accident that could cause scarring or trauma or something else. So I, I think that it is possible. And for a lot of families, you mentioned that you do have people that are pregnant that ask you like, oh, gosh, you know, because most people feel that their dog was their first baby. Right. My right. dog is my first baby. You know, I feel guilty now. I'm bringing in somebody that's going to change the whole dynamic of our house. And I'm not going to mm -hmm. be able to pay attention to my dog anymore the way that I used to. And that's all very true. But if you can teach your dog to be a little more flexible with their routine, for example, or maybe you can teach the dog to start asking for an for attention in an appropriate way. I mean, can you imagine? You maybe just gave birth, you're sore, you're tired, your your baby finally fell asleep in your arms, and then your dog comes up to you and pokes you to get your attention and it wakes <laughs> up your baby. Like your tolerance isn't as good as it would be if you were well rested and not sore and tired, right? So I feel like everybody's relationship can be stronger if you do some legwork in advance. That said, I don't want people to feel like oh my gosh, I didn't take Michelle's class before the baby came home. Now I'm doomed. And that's not true. Just like you can train a dog of any age, right? You, mm -hmm. That, you know, you can teach an old dog new tricks. You can adjust your dog's feelings towards your child at any point, but it takes a little bit of work to mm -hmm. make that happen. All right. So one scenario is you have, to, you have mom, uh, soon to be mom, pregnant, and they have a dog. So let's just, let's say they have a Labrador and they're expecting. So okay. do you suggest that we train the dog first before we even have the baby? So as we can just communicate with the dog before the baby arrives, do, would you suggest that? Yep, definitely. I think in the dream scenario, and if people think about it, the puppy just got a squeaky ball. If you hear something <laughs> terrible, it's the puppy took a ball. I, yes. So I think that if you are proactive and if you are wanting the best for your dog and if you are wanting the best for your baby and you even know that this is an option, I think that's the stumbling block is that I don't think that most pregnant families have any idea that there even is support like this available, that there are certain dog training tasks that if you could teach your dog, for example, to lay on a mat Mm -hmm. when you ask it to, that their lives are going to be so much easier when the baby's born. So for example, let's say you have a disgusting, dirty diaper that you have to contend with. Uh -huh. Do you seriously want a Labrador bouncing around in its happy, adorable Labrador self? Mom, play with me when you have a poopy diaper situation? I don't think so. So I think something to think about, you know, what kinds of behaviors can you teach your dog where they can have a default settle? Sometimes I'm not mm -hmm. saying your dog can't have any fun because labs are fun dogs and they're going to stay fun. However, right. there are certain times like if you are, you know, feeding the baby or you're trying to do a bedtime routine or a diaper routine that maybe the dog has to learn to stay on the other side of the door. So maybe we have to mm -hmm. teach the dog to be okay on the other side of a baby gate, for example. Mm -hmm. And some dogs are not okay with that just off the get-go. It takes some practice. So even simple things like teaching a dog to be apart from you for even a small amount of time, even if they can see you on the other side of a barrier, that gives you so much more peace of mind because then you don't worry you're going to get somebody stealing a poopy diaper and carrying it all over the house, for example. Right. Right. So, yeah. So I think I do think that if families 
you know, do have the foresight or maybe from listening to your podcast, they'll be like, yes, I got a new idea. I didn't even know support like this existed. Or even other trainers who listen to this podcast might say, oh my gosh, I have a client and I'm not experienced with kids myself. I'll just send them over to Michelle, right? You could do that. Or I can help themselves if they want. But, you know, there's certain things like for me, you know, I send out aggression cases. I, Mm -hmm. I, I know some stuff. I've taken some great classes from brilliant trainers like Michael Shikashio, mm-hmm. but I don't need to do them myself. There's people who definitely master that way more than I do. And so I think sometimes you just have to make a decision of like, well, I could do this, but let me give it to somebody where that's really their right. name. Right. I completely agree. I mean, I've been training dogs for quite a while now. And by the way, Michelle, just to give you an idea, the reason I'm being called coach is, well, I don't want to be called the dog whisperer. So I'd rather be called (laughs) coach. I mean, basically, that's what you do as well. I mean, I can basically call you coach Michelle, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I I feel like I feel like a parent coach, really. And it's kind of interesting because. I think part of coaching just I'm not really an athlete, but I've seen people be athletes and a huge part of what a coach does is they act like a cheerleader too, where mm-hmm. they they know what the goal is and then they really give people the steps that it takes to get to reach their goal. But then they're cheering them the whole way along um, mm-hmm. and giving them support, emotional support. So, for example, so I'm going to be launching a new membership soon probably Mm -hmm. in August. I'm not, I haven't picked my date yet, but it's to support parents of kids and dogs. It's called thriving parents of kids and dogs. Mm -hmm. And it is, I I was joking with somebody. I said, I feel like it's one part coaching and parent support group. And it's Uh one part having like an on-call dog trainer, right? Because you can ask me dog training questions, obviously, but you can also ask me to give you like a Facebook hug and say, Mm. you know what? what you just went through today was a terrible day and Mm -hmm. let's figure out how to make tomorrow a better day. And no, you don't have to give your dog away. Let's talk about it, you know? And so I, I think that a really good coach is part cheerleader and part just big compassionate supporter. And so I love that you call yourself that. Hi, my name is Jelly Victor. And I'm JC Alanis. Do check out the Parenting Podcast, Real Parents Facing Modern Problems Together. This is brought to you by YF Nutrition Parent Team and Podcast Network Asia. Thank you. Thank you. And by the way, for our listeners in the podcast, guys, I do know quite a few things about dog training. But the reason, one reason that I wanted to have the podcast was because I also want to learn from other trainers and that's why we're trying to reach out and we're just so happy that michelle here is well sharing her expertise because now we're talking about pooch parenting i mean i don't even have my own baby yet hopefully soon but again what do i know of course i do know the basics i do know how to handle uh the puppy stuff i mean i usually recommend teaching let's say with, with the diaper and the labrador example i would probably teach the the lab, the leave it command, which is going to be very, very useful, yeah. especially if your lab just decides to pick up the the diaper and then play around with it. I mean, can oh. you just imagine the look on oh, your face no. when you see that, right? Oh, no. So I love it that you highlighted that uh, you refer to other trainers who probably will have that specialization and everybody's going to be listening to this podcast. Hey, 
if you would like to learn from Michelle, maybe、uh, Michelle can give out her details later in the show. But anyway, so going forward, with a、uh, let's say we already have a baby, right? Yeah. And then there's already a dog there. Okay, and you just had the baby. So what do what do pet parents usually have to do now that they have their baby, and this baby is growing up and soon to be a toddler? What are the things that you usually recommend that they do? That's a really good question. So if you know that your baby is about to start. Stop being a larva and start moving <laughs> to the phase where you know that it won't be sitting still as much. So there's a couple of things. Number one is it really helps to understand your particular dog, right? So some dogs, for example, like let's take a border collie.、Mm-hmm. A border collie for hundreds of years has been genetically. Tweaked and modified so that it's really good at doing a particular job, and that particular job is herding. Right now, you can imagine a toddler on the move just begs to be herded, and and it begs to be controlled, which is what a border collie wants to do. Even a livestock、mm-hmm. guardian kind of dog, you know, a Great Pyrenees, for example, is going to want to control that child. So. It really helps to kind of know the dog you've got and know the personality. So, for example, is your dog predatory? Is your dog the, what we what we call the fun police? You know, there are some <laughs> dogs that that get real upset if there's too much excitement going on, and they try to split up.、Um, mm-hmm. If if other dogs are wrestling, they they insert themselves in between and say, "Okay, break it up, everybody." You know, this is enough excitement for the day. And there are dogs that do that when. Parents are playing with their kids, and that can be problematic if the dog decides to use its teeth in the process of separating, you know, or of moving kids and and whatever around the house. So, it, number one, it helps to really understand your dog and to recognize dog body language so that you you know what the situation is. Is your dog actually happy and having fun, or is your dog stressed? So that's a, an important piece. And the other important piece is to actually buy some equipment. Which seems weird, and actually, the dream, of course, is if you are having a baby, you're going to try to baby-proof your house anyway. And、mm-hmm. the good news is, is a ton of the same equipment that you're using to baby-proof your house is actually the same equipment that you will use to separate your dog and baby sometimes. So, for example, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I'll say it anyway. I don't <laughs> go ahead. That that you can't even go pee by yourself when you have a dog and a baby. Oh yeah, because normally you would think, okay, I know where my dog is. My dog is laying down. The baby is on a blanket. I'm gonna just go pee real quick. No, no, no. You cannot do that because you never know what's gonna happen while you're gone. Maybe the dog is laying down because you asked it to lay down, and the second you leave the room, the dog is like, forget about it.、You're, she's not watching me anymore. So the dog gets、mm-hmm. up. I mean, you don't know. You're not there. So you've got to do things like, okay. I have to go pee, so I have to think ahead. And the dog has to go on one side of the baby gate, or I have to bring the baby with me. I mean, it, I honestly, I can't tell you how many times I went to the bathroom, like holding a kid in my arms, or laying the kid in a bouncy seat on the bathroom floor because I needed to keep an eye because I had a dog loose in the house. Right, so. You're slapping somebody. You're bringing either the dog, but you don't get to pee alone. So even just knowing little things 
So one of the things that I do for, for some of my clients and actually the people who take my classes, parenting toddlers and dogs and stuff, is they get worksheets that help them literally plan ridiculous mundane little pieces of their day because I call it the peace of mind planner because literally if you know in advance, okay, it's dinner time. I have to make a meal. I have a plan. Dog goes here, baby goes here. Dog gets a stuffed Kong, baby is in a swing, whatever it is. But if you have a plan in advance, your stress just kind of melts off of you because it's not like you're scrambling every single day to make every new decision. Because honestly, you just have to get through the day sometimes. But if you have a planner and it's like stuck on your fridge or it's on the counter and you're like, okay, I have to do laundry. Let me just check my list and see where the dog goes. Or the delivery guy is about to come to the door. Oh my gosh. Because you know, I mean, gosh, I'm sure dogs all over the world lose their mind if somebody rings the doorbell. Mm -hmm. So you've got to practice that ahead of time. And, and if you have a kid and a new baby, especially because the, the novelty kind of wears off, you know, new babies are like puppies. Everyone wants to see them. And then when they get older, it's a little bit less, but you're going to have a lot more visitors than you used to. And you've got a plan for that. Where are you going to go? Where's your dog going to go? Where's your baby going to go? Is your dog going to knock over the grandma because your grandma's frail and the dog is a boisterous, you know, golden retriever who like is just loves the world, but doesn't know where its own body is. So the idea of having plans in place and like, here's one tip. This is so easy. <laughs> this is the easiest tip in the universe, but it gives you peace of mind. And that is if you have a doorbell, I covered up my doorbell with a piece of like blue tape or what, you know, duct tape or something. And I wrote a little sign. It said, text me before you knock on the door so I can put the dog away or whatever. And it gives you time. You get a text. You're like, cool. Nobody is barking. Everybody is calm. The person knows I'm going to take a second to organize. Okay, let me put the baby over here. Let me or let me put carry the baby. Let me move the dog to the other side of a gate or let me clip a leash so that the dog doesn't dash out the door. But I am telling you, I used to get so stressed out when I knew my parents, for example, were about to come over and I was like a scrambling fool. But as soon as I learned this trick of like putting a sign on the door, that was like a game changer. And that's so easy. Like anybody can do that. And it just like gives you that extra moment to calm down and get your all your ducks in a row, so to speak. Wow. That's a really good idea. You actually just gave me an idea when it comes to training reactive dogs uh, by the door, maybe that would be a, a good management tool. Yes. Not just whether you have a baby or you don't have a baby. For That's anybody. actually a really good idea to just ask people to send you a Viber message or text you. Yes. Um, so you can put the dog away and then put them in their safe zone, right? And then therefore you don't practice the bad behavior. So that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and especially for dogs that are anxious or have stranger danger and they're you know, worried. I mean, you and I have seen this before. You go into a client's home, the dog is afraid because you're new and you sit down and then the dog starts to relax. But the second you move or stand up, the dog is afraid again, right? So the idea that these transitions, as somebody is entering the home, as somebody is leaving the home, if you have a system in place, 
those transitions are so much easier for the dog and they strengthen the dog's relationship with you because the dog trusts that you're going to take care of them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that anybody can use that little system. That's a good training hack. I think. Awesome. All right. So we're talking about dogs. How about for the, for the toddlers? What are the usual things that you advise to parents? All right. You have a really good dog here. Nothing problem. Uh, there's no problem with the dog. The dog is highly trained, and yet you and most most people, humans, actually like to see their babies interacting with their older dog. And you, oh. it usually horrifies me to see photos on the internet or on YouTube of videos of kids playing with their dog, and the dog's already backing up. You know what's going to happen next, but. I'd like to hear from you. What are your thoughts? What can we share to our listeners about the tips on what to do? Well, and I what not to do, of, perhaps. I have a bunch of new gray hairs. There's one right there. <laughs> and I attribute some of these to watching YouTube videos of people who just don't know, right? So I, you know, your first instinct is to say, oh my gosh, how can they? How can they be so silly? How can they possibly make these mistakes? But then I have to put on my compassionate teacher hat. And I think, you know what? The internet makes this normal, first of all. So people think it's normal, which you and I know, of course, it's not normal. However, you don't know what you don't know, right? And so I see things like, how do I make my dog like my toddler? This is what I get. In my, I have a free Facebook group called Parenting Kids and Dogs. Constantly, when people answer the membership questions and they want to come in the group, they ask me, how do I get my dog to like my toddler? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, well, time. Your dog needs time, right? So one thing that's kind of interesting with child rearing is just like what you recognize, obviously, as similar to puppy raising, which is that there are normal, predictable developmental stages. And by knowing what those are, you can be prepared, right? So you know that at certain ages, babies start to grab. Well, you better make sure there's no dog tails and clumps of dog fur that are handy when that baby is grabbing, right? And if there is, then how are we going to help that child learn to make good decisions Part of that is we have to model the behavior we want our kids to repeat, right? Just like with dogs, we want we don't want them to practice behaviors we don't want them to repeat. Same thing with babies. We don't want them grabbing dog fur. We have to intervene, right? We also need to realize that tolerance is not the same thing as enjoyment. So if you happen to be one of the few people on this planet whose dog puts up with the baby crawling on them, First of all, count yourself incredibly lucky that your dog hasn't bitten your kid's face off. But also, you have to change your mindset. Okay, my dog is putting up with it, but is my dog really happy right now? Mm -hmm. Is my dog happy to live in this life right now? Probably not. So what can you do? Well, the first thing is prevention, right? So we want to make sure that we are, if that baby is on the move and our dog wants to rest, we know our dog, right? We need to know, okay, it's our dog's nap time. We also need to know that our dog might love us so much that even though they could get up and walk away, they still won't get up and walk away because you're in the same room. Mm -hmm. 
Now, this is mind blowing to a lot of people because they think, well, if my dog doesn't like it, he'll just get up and leave. And I say, well, that's unfortunately not always the case. Your dog isn't going to just do that, even though we want them to. Now, we can train them to do that. We can train them that the approach of the baby is the cue that says, get out of here and go in your special spot. And then you put a pen around that dog to say, nope, you're in your safe zone. You're good. I'm not ever going to put you in danger, right? Now, pens are one of my favorite tools in the whole universe, and you can use a pen for a kid or you can use a pen for a dog, right? (laughs) So it's a beautiful situation. Anybody who has a puppy knows you have to put the puppy somewhere to decompress when it's losing its mind and it's overstimulated and it needs a nap and it just has to come down from its puppy energy or else it's going to puncture you too much, right? So you have to put the puppy somewhere where there's less input, less stimuli, right? And the same thing is absolutely true. Sometimes you just need your baby to be in a pen so your dog can have some freedom. I don't want people to always take the dog away. That's really not fair, right? Sometimes you need to take the kid away and say, oh, you're chasing the puppy. I'm going to put you on the other side of a baby gate. And that also, again, it reiterates to your dog, I love you. I've got you. When this little monster is crawling towards you, I'm going to sometimes move the kid away and sometimes I'll move you away, but I don't want it to always be because here's another thing that people don't realize is that how you react as your toddler is approaching your dog gives your dog some signals about how your dog should feel about that toddler. So for example, if your toddler is approaching your dog and you go, no, 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 cut it out. Your dog is going to think that kid is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we want. We want your dog to not worry about your kid. And so you have to change how you react. You have to say, oh, wow, you're getting close to the dog. Let's move out of the way. And you have to use this happy tone of voice. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but on the other hand, if you think about it, you don't want your dog to, to pick up on your cues of your anxiety. It's kind of like I have a reactive dog, my old dog, who you heard in the beginning. She's almost 12 and she's very reactive. And I used to tighten up on the leash when I saw another dog because I knew that stuff might happen. Mm -hmm. And so she started to pick up on that, right? So now I've changed my tune and I, she's muzzle trained. So I know nothing bad can happen. And we use a happy voice and we do a U-turn and we say, let's go. And I don't tense up on the leash anymore. And now Just seeing another dog doesn't freak her out because we have another situation. The same thing is true when you have a dog who sees the toddler approaching, right? Instead of the dog tensing up, we want the dog to feel equipped, right? We want the dog to trust that you're going to take care of things. Did that make sense? I kind of went on a roundabout. Right, right. What I'm getting at is, for our listeners, is it's important that we set the dog up for success, but don't forget that the baby also needs to be taught and trained the same way that you're training your your dog. You know, well, basically, it's as if you just doubled your problem if you have a puppy and you have a, a toddler at the same time. <laughs> you did. You doubled the trouble. Absolutely. And there is a lot of training of the toddler. And again, toddlers developmentally are sponges and they watch everything you do. So we don't want to be hugging our dogs in front of our toddlers. And Mm -hmm. we don't want to be grabbing our dog's face and giving their faces kisses in front of our toddlers. 
because then the toddlers are going to think that that's okay to do too. And it is not because most dogs don't want to be hugged. Most dogs don't want to be kissed in the face. Some dogs don't mind it. Some dogs love it, but they're in the minority, right? And so we need to make sure that we are training our children. And honestly, it's easier to train the dog than it is to train a toddler because toddlers developmentally are trying to find their own way. And they like to say no a lot. And so that can make things hard, right? But you have to, you have to train both. You can give the dog some tools and you, you have to give the baby some tools as well. And sometimes literally that means tools like a baby gate or a pen to make your life a lot easier. What's up boomers? My name is Angelo and I'm bringing you the podcast that no one asked for and that no one wants. Usapan Retro. Here at Usapan Retro, we cover all the retro news from video games, anime, comic books, manga, toys, and other otaku news from the Philippines. Please check out our live streams live on the Kumu app every Saturday at 5pm. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look up Usapan Retro. I would say go check out our TikTok, but you know what? Boomers don't TikTok. Usap on Retro, we out. All right. Well, let me ask you this. And maybe this question has been asked to you before. But what are the similarities or differences of a, a toddler and an adult dog? I mean, they say that the dogs have an IQ of a two-year-old, right? And, well... From your experience, what are the learning advantages of a dog versus a, a toddler? And of course, toddlers are much more smarter because they're humans. Your IQ is really ahead, right? If not so much greater than a dog. But what I'm really interested in is when it comes to learning something new, have, what's your experience like training the, the toddler and the dog in the house wherein both are clueless? Oof. That's a really good question. And surprisingly, no one has ever asked me that before. You know, <laughs> I, I think I will, I'm going to say it depends, which is a terrible answer. Um, Acceptable. Just as, just as there's variety in how quickly different breeds of dogs can learn, there's also variety in how individuals within breeds can learn, right? So while border collies, for example, tend to be incredibly smart and very trainable because they have a very strong work ethic, there are some border collies that are not so bright, right? There are some right. border collies who are, are lazier than others and who just want to lay around, right? There are some dogs that are food motivated and some that are not. So from a training perspective, both with kids and dogs, actually, I would say that you need to sort of find the motivating factor, like what motivates that individual to learn, because that's going to vary per individual human and per individual dog. Now, I would also say it's really hard. So children all develop at their own rate, even though there are a, sort of a standard set of developmental milestones, there are all kinds of things that can happen within those milestones. There could be developmental delays or learning challenges or even speech delays that impact the frustration level of that particular child. So it's interesting. It's just an interesting process because you have to really look at the individual. Dogs learn faster in their, you know, they have a shorter lifespan, right? And right, so right. a dog who is two years old 
can really master a lot of things that a puppy maybe not be able to. And humans have a much longer learning span and developmental ability mm -hmm. when they're in control of their body, you know, and when they're in control of their emotions. Like some humans are still not fully in control of their actions until they're over 25 years old. So, I mean, you kind of have your work cut out for you as a parent who has a kid and a dog at the same time, because even if you think, for example, that your seven-year-old can walk your dog, mm -hmm. again, you have to know that dog. If that dog sees a squirrel and takes off after it, is your child in danger? Is your mm -hmm. child in danger of being dragged into the road? Some dogs may be fine with a seven-year-old walking them. They're so mellow. They, they couldn't care less who's holding the leash. Mm -hmm. There are other dogs that I would say a child shouldn't hold the leash alone until they're 10 or 11 years old, right? So some of it depends on the maturity of that unique person or that unique dog. So I'm not sure that I really gave you the answer you're looking for because there's so much variability within the developmental pathways for each of those creatures. All right. All right. I, well, I, I got it. I hope the listeners also got it. And what we're trying to really talk about here is you have to know your dog basically, right? So that's very important. People, you have to know your dog. You yeah. need to know what ticks them off. You need to know what they love. You need to know what's their trigger if they're reactive. And of course, as you're raising a kid and this time with a human, human, you also need to know what do they want or what do they do whenever they see their dog. And then you need to make that decision because you're being a parent to your little human and to your little furry friend, right? So that, yeah. I think that's just absolutely what we're looking for is understanding and there's no one answer to the question that I just gave. It's right. really gonna be up to you as a parent, both for the little human and the furry one, right? Okay. Yeah. so. There was this one case where I was asked, okay, coach, we're thinking of getting another dog. We already have a dog and then we have a baby, but we're also thinking of getting another dog. Would you recommend that? Oh, I would just try to really get them to look at their bandwidth. Like, what are they capable of in terms of time, in terms of exercise? You know, will they be able to spend any time, any quality time with each dog separately? Because training a new dog, you need fewer distractions. And so if there's a baby crawling around and another dog running around, it's going to be really hard for the new dog to pay attention. So I think it just depends on your level of comfort, how much time you have. Do you have support? Do you have anybody who can, you know, babysit or watch the baby or mm -hmm. take the other dog on a walk while you have quality time with the new dog? Because you don't want... you you don't want the existing dog to be neglected because you have to pay so much attention to the new dog. And you also don't want to just hope the new dog does fine without being proactive about it. You know, I would also make sure that you're, you've put a lot of thought into the new dog you're bringing into a family that already has a child. So for example, when, when you have a baby and a dog, the dog, that dog has the benefit of watching that baby grow and change over time. And so it's not like they suddenly walk into a house with a toddler, which is very alarming. That's mm -hmm. really a lot to take. So you have to consider that this new dog that you're bringing in hasn't 
gradually watched this baby grow. And so what kind of early experiences has that new dog had with children? So for example, if it's from a breeder, was it exposed to babies, toddlers, children of a variety of ages at the breeder's house? Or if it's from a rescue, if it's living in a foster family, did the foster family have children and what ages were they? And because we just want to make sure that this dog doesn't come with baggage where it may have some fears or inappropriate behaviors towards children that you're not aware of. So I would just encourage you to try to stack the deck in your favor as much as possible when you're adding a dog to a family that has a kid already. All right. So basically what you're trying to say is if you can delay it, please do focus on your existing dog, trying to fix your issues with your dog, or you need to probably wait um, a little bit more time and just focus on your baby before you get another dog. It's because if you get another dog, then again, you're stacking up the issues. So we a while ago, we you said double the trouble. Then if you had another dog, then it might be triple trouble. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. It's so hard to know. I mean, the other thing to think about is if let's say the two dogs love each other and they're they run around a lot and they're really happy they entertain each other that's super but it also you just have to think will they knock over the baby will they whatever i mean in some cases there are some dogs that are happier having another dog in their house and and it might make your life easier in some ways but again i would only do it if you're really fully able to commit to making sure that that new dog in your family has the start that it needs and the training that it needs to be a good citizen in the world and not be, you know, something that's sort of out of control that you would not want as your next door neighbor dog. All right. Pretty awesome. All right. So my next question is all about the use of positive reinforcement and how important it is. It's still out there. People, people are still saying, oh, you know what? You have a new dog or you have a dog and you have your kid you have to teach your kid to be the alpha. What do you think of that? <laughs> I just saw that this morning. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I saw that this morning. Somebody um, wanted to get into my group and they said they need to make sure the dog is not the dominant one. So obviously we, you know, I taught high school biology, right? Uh -huh, so uh -huh. I like science. And All right, science. I, Go science. And so, you know, as you know, and as our colleagues know that, you know, it, the science supports not using any aversive tools. They the, the whole concept of alpha was a misguided study and all these things. So so whenever somebody says that, I, I try to shift the conversation and say, actually, that doesn't really relate to people and dogs. And, and what we want to do is we want to try to have our dogs feeling safe and we want our dogs to trust us. And whatever you may have seen a celebrity dog trainer do on television, who happens to, by the way, get bitten all the time, maybe those are strategies that we should not be trying to do at home. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's instead try to work on building really super solid, awesome relationships with our dogs that are based on trust and respect and those kinds of things. So yes. Ah, yeah. I hear that a lot. We do see that a lot of uh, parents worried um, that the dog won't see the child as alpha and that the humans in the house are the dominant ones over the dog and the dog take second fiddle and all that sort of thing. What I would say really in response to that, 
after I was done rolling my eyes quietly <laughs> without making them feel judged. They wouldn't see me rolling my eyes, but I would do it. Is that a dog who has some really nice uh, behavior foundation training under its belt is going to be able to listen to cues that we ask them to do. Notice I did not say commands, mm -hmm. right? I didn't say we command our dog to do things. I don't agree with that wording. I don't think it's really appropriate. Everything is a conversation, you know? And if a dog knows a behavior, if I ask my puppy to lay on his mat and he's not doing it, instead of assuming he's being defiant or rude or whatever, I need to stop. And I always try to ask myself, what is happening so that he's choosing not to do the behavior he normally knows how to do? Is the environment more distracting than usual? Is the mat wet and it's uncomfortable? Is Do I have disgusting treats that are no longer motivating, right? Maybe I already fed my dog breakfast and treats are no longer appealing. You know, whatever the case may be, I need to find what motivates my dog. And if I can find what motivates my dog, then my dog will pretty much do anything with me, right? And so that's more the path that I choose to take when I'm working with clients and, um, and answering questions is let's help your dog make the choice you want it to make by making sure that they, they get something good out of the situation. All right. Well said. Um, a follow-up question. Has there ever been a time where you met a client wherein they just talk about no, and they're so proud of it that you can just hear them no, 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 like yeah. over and over again. And obviously <laughs> nothing is happening. Yes. Have you ever had that? And what did you do to try to set them up for success? <laughs> That's a really good question. So um, I usually diffuse it quite instantly by saying, I've noticed that you've said the word no several times. How's that working for you? Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all you have to say. <laughs> and they stop and they say, it's not working. And I said, then why do you keep saying it? Right. And so you see the same thing with somebody saying, sit, sit, sit. And then they get louder, right? The way that somebody assumes if you don't speak English, they talk louder, like somehow <laughs> louder makes you understandable. I mean, that's absurd, right? You're not going to suddenly make more sense by being louder or by repeating yourself. So I always say, let's ask in a different way. Right. So I even have to I joke with my husband. He was playing a game with my puppy and I heard him repeating his, himself. And I and I just sort of gently said, hey, let's ask him in a different way. And he stopped and he was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was just repeating myself, wasn't I? And I was like, mm, maybe, you know, you, but again, I don't want to tell him what to do. The other thing, actually, and this is something that I talk a lot about, is the, the idea of trying to get people to say yes more mm -hmm. than they know, right? So I like to encourage people to ask for the behaviors they want instead of saying no. So for example, if the dog is, let's say, trying to put their paws on the kitchen counter, like my old dog will try to do that. She She's tall and she likes to look for food up there because uh -huh. I have a teenage boy in the house. So, you know, there could be food up there. And, um, and I could walk in the kitchen and be like, no, but is that giving her any information? Is that telling her what I actually want? No, it's not. It's just me being annoying. I don't even like myself when I'm like, no, cut it out, stop it, knock it off. I mean, I can say those things. And honestly, true confession, those words do leak out of my mouth sometimes. Like, 
my puppy was whining a lot the other day and I was like, knock it off. And he was like, oh, sorry about that. And I think it was just my tone that just sort of asked him to stop. But generally that's not what I do. Instead, I ask for a behavior I can reward. I want them to do something else. And I ask for that instead. I feel a lot nicer when I do it that way than when, you know, and I tell people, I said, you know, as a parent, you feel like you're redirecting all the time. But if you, if you don't like yourself because you're a nag, then stop mm -hmm. nagging and let's try a different approach and see if that works better. All right. All right. Wow. I love it. We're actually, wow. Look at the time. But again, I'd like to ask a few more questions and maybe we can invite you again uh, on future episodes because I am learning so much. And this is something that I really am interested in because I understand more and more families are adopting dogs or getting new dogs. And without them realizing, they're creating trouble just because they have a baby on the way. Or maybe they have an existing toddler who just wants to squeeze and hug the hell out of their dog. And of course, like what we said earlier, dogs don't really appreciate that too much. Okay, so my question is, was there ever a time, or maybe let me just change the question. My question is, what is so far the hardest case that you've had with a dog and a toddler? Uh, was there a time where the toddler was bit unintentionally by the dog and the dog got punished for it? Can you share a little bit of those uh, cases that you've had? I'm going to share two cases. One was very unusual. And it was not a toddler, but there were two kids in the family. And they got a golden retriever puppy because golden retrievers were, quote, I'm using air quotes if you can't see me, supposed to be good family dogs. Okay. Now, again, we've talked about this already, which is that there are individuals of every breed and you don't always know genetics, the environment, nature versus nurture. There's a million things that go into making a great dog. And this particular dog wasn't wired right. There was something wrong. And this puppy was aggressive, like actually like aggressive, aggressive, not puppy aggressive. Like you and I, people often assume, oh, my puppy's aggressive. It's biting. Well, that's usually normal. But this puppy wasn't, it wasn't normal. So we had a lot of crying phone calls and a lot of really heartfelt discussions. And they, oh. they talked to the breeder. I encouraged them to talk to the breeder and they ended up returning the dog to the breeder. You know, they put in a lot of work. They put in management. They did some training. They taught the kids to how to behave so the dog wouldn't try to chase them. But the dog would go after the mom and the dog. It was just a really scary situation. And it was impacting their life in a way that they had not imagined. They wanted a certain life experience with this dog and they were having the opposite. So that was probably one of the most heart-wrenching cases because it was the sweetest family. And mm -hmm. there, it was just so sad. It was just really like just bad situation. I had another case. I wouldn't say it was my hardest case at all because it has a really happy ending, but it's a very common case. So I was called by a woman because her dog bit her toddler in the face. And it happened when the babysitter was there and the dog was a resource guarder of food and the baby got to the toddler 
was crawling, um, got too close to the dog wallet. I can't remember if it was eating dinner or if it had a chewy or something, but one of those two things. And the dog nipped the toddler in the face while the babysitter was there. And the really great news about that is that when we worked together, I went to their house and we worked for a few sessions on a variety of a lot of structure, really. We completely changed the dynamic of food in the house. We set up some very strict rules about where the dog could eat, where the dog could have chewies. It made everybody so much more stress-free. And there was a lot of toddler training as well, that if the toddler ever approached the dog, the toddler was always redirected and we leave the dog. And they changed how they did family meals. So the dog could no longer hover and wait for food to fall. Cause you know, toddlers love to drop food for the dog. Cause that's so, such a fun game. But we made sure that the dog could clean up after everybody had left the table. But before that, the dog was on a mat apart from, I mean, you know, like maybe five feet away. So in the same room with the family, but not able to get up. And we used a tether for a little while until the dog learned where its place on the mat was and all that. And they have reported that they, that everyone is more confident. The dog is less reactive. The toddler is learning what to do. And one of the things that I give, actually, I think I have it on a blog post and it's for free for anybody who wants it is a babysitter checklist where like, remember I talked earlier about my peace of mind planner. Um, mm -hmm. This is something similar where it's go over all the rules with the babysitter. Where does the dog go when you're feeding the baby? Where does the baby go when you're feeding the dog? And you have to give this to every caregiver because you can't just hope that a babysitter who doesn't know dog body language is going to be successful when you leave your kid and your dog alone together. So right. grandparents need this. Babysitters need this. But it's it's um if you go to my blog and just type in the word babysitter the planner will pop up and you can print it out but i just i want people thinking in in advance you can't just hope for the best you have mm -hmm. to plan for it you have to so hi this is rika hi this is jc <laughs> so you like listening to podcasts try listening to ours it's called the halala show yeah we talk about x y and z it's called our lives yeah also the trending topics we talk about what's going on in the world and we'll read some of your fan mail if you send it to us Ooh, fan mail. i never thought that we would have fan mail yeah but we're here with two yes and <laughs> it's available wherever you listen to your podcast wherever you listen to all your favorite podcasts to any of your podcast network asia shows as well so after listening to this one why don't you give us a try please go listen to our show okay slurp on slurbers <laughs> those are wonderful cases and i'm uh, I hope everybody's learning from those cases. So let's not be too complacent that hopefully that everything would work out because basing from the story of uh, Michelle, it takes a ton of work, both for the dog, the the parents, and the, 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 the little human. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, you mentioned that you're a teacher, but again, obviously you love dogs so much that you went into dog training and now doing booch parenting if you were not a dog trainer are you still going to be back teaching science in high school or whatnot? No. Or, or what else would you be doing if i was not a dog trainer what else would i be doing i have no idea honestly i don't know i'm right now things with schools are so hard that you know teachers are being forced to teach in the middle of a pandemic. And I, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't 
want somebody putting my family in danger. I, I prefer to be in control of my own destiny. And honestly, I just love supporting people so much. So I think if I wasn't doing this, I'd be coaching in some other capacity, giving support to people. I just, I don't know what else it would be. I feel like I'm in my sweet spot because I love animals so much and I want parents to feel successful so much that this is like this nice little marriage of those two things mm -hmm. that I enjoy. All right. Awesome. I, I've learned so much and I wish we had more time to talk about it, but uh, we're under time pressure here. But maybe we can invite you again. And for I everybody who's, who's been uh, listening to the podcast, if you have any questions, please send us to us. We're going to collate it and then we're going to give Michelle another call and we're probably going to ask her the question, the questions that you would like to for, for Michelle to answer or you would like me to answer all right, so the name of the show is The Dog Behind the Human. And for each dog trainer and each personality or guest we have here, there must be one dog that played a significant role in being who you are today. So my question is, who is that dog that changed your life? Who is that dog behind the human for me? It's such a sad story. We all have one of these. Who is that? Her name was Haley. She was my first dog as an adult. You know, I was growing up and adulting and I had moved in with my boyfriend, who's now my husband of 24 years or whatever. Crazy. Um, Haley, uh, she became over time, as some dogs do, she became dog aggressive. Oh. And at the time, I didn't know any better. This is like my big regret, right? This is the sad what I wish I could have changed. And I feel terrible still to this day, but it's made me a better person helping more dogs now. But um, I used strategies that I'm not proud of because I thought that I needed a heavier hand with controlling her behavior. And I think I made things worse, but we did what we were told to do at the time by different advisors and people who were trying to help us. And um, she became dog aggressive and we, didn't we kind of ran out of options and we were so afraid of a management fail and her hurting somebody or hurting a dog causing somebody tremendous grief that we ended up having to euthanize her to prevent an accident we were very careful we were so careful but we knew that someday there could be a mistake someday a gate wouldn't latch or someday a leash would break or i don't know and it's, it's still one of my biggest regrets to this day. I feel terrible. I mean, I don't regret that, that we had to do that to pr protect other creatures. I, I think at the time that was the right decision. I just regret all the steps that led up to that point. I feel like if I were in that situation now, it likely would have been avoidable because I would have, you know, when you know better, you do better. And I know mm -hmm. so much more now than I did then. But ever since then, I knew there had to be a better way. And I'm working really hard to learn it from as many people as I can. So that's Haley. That's the dog behind the human. All right. Well, I'm pretty sure you're doing well and then you're making up for it. And Haley paid a, a big sacrifice for that. And uh, just so sad that sometimes no matter how much you love the dog, you really have to let go for the safety of the people and the animals around that dog. 
and it's a really difficult call and i can just imagine the heartache when yeah. you went to the vet and Haley has to go yeah all right so thank you so much michelle for the the time you shared with us I, this has been a long time coming i've been waiting for weeks uh, for michelle's availability and finally she we have her on the show michelle please share to our audience where they can find you and then learn more about Pooch Parenting. Thank you so much, Coach. Well, my page on Facebook and Instagram is Pooch Parenting. And if you're a dog trainer, that's where you should follow along. If you are a parent of kids and dogs, not a dog trainer, but a parent of kids and dogs, I have a free Facebook group called Parenting Kids and Dogs. Easy to find with a little search. My website is poochparenting.net. I have a ton of free resources for anybody, trainers, you can print off. Um, I have a lot of guides for developmental stages of babies and, and what to look out for with the dog based on how old the baby is. And you can use that with your clients. So I have a lot of resources there and you're welcome to use anything that I've got. I have a lot of blog posts. I have blog posts about helping families with special needs children, how to pick a dog and all kinds of things. Use them, send clients there. I've done all the work already. This is you know, my area of expertise and I'd be thrilled if you use me as a tool to help anybody who needs it. All right, I'll make sure to visit and download some of those stuff. I'm just really happy to have you on the show. And I've learned so much, but again, we have so little time. Hopefully we can invite you again I would on future episodes. Michelle, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being with the Dog Behind the Human podcast. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Coach. All right, so that was Michelle. Michelle, till next time, um, I'll see you. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. And now for the Barking News. Video of dog balancing in back of flat bed truck on Utah Highway fuels fire for legislation. This report was posted on fox13now.com by L. Thomas. After receiving a video of a dog balancing in the back of a flatbed truck on a Utah highway, the Humane Society of Utah is urging the public not to put dogs in truck beds. The Humane Society of Utah sees it every month. A variety of calls, emails, messages on social media and in-person comments with one main concern. The person saw a dog riding unrestrained in the back of a truck on the highway. The organization has seen it time and time again. A recent video submitted to them by a concerned citizen left employees in shock. The video just makes your heart stop, said Dean Shepard with Humane Society of Utah. In the video, you see a flatbed truck flying at I-15 at more than 70 miles per hour and a dog balancing unrestrained on the bed. The first thing you think is, Oh my gosh, that poor dog, Shepard said. For some, the video is hard to watch, but Humane Society of Utah decided to post it to their Facebook page in the hopes of spurring conversation and change. In another news, actor Orlando Bloom has set a tattoo etched over his heart in honor of his labradoodle Mighty. Writing on Instagram, 
the Lord of the Ring Star, revealed his beloved pet's collar had been found after seven days of searching from sunrise to sunset. I have wept more this week than I thought possible, he went on, saying he had left no stone unturned. Bloom was often seen with his canine companion, whom he adopted in 2017. Bloom had offered a $5,000 reward for his pet's safe return after he went missing near their home in Montecito, California. The Instagram post reads, Mighty's on the other side now. After seven days of searching from sunrise to sunset and into the wee hours, today, the seventh day, the number of completion, we found his collar. I have wept more this week than I thought possible, which has been very cathartic and healing. I left no stone unturned, crawled through all the manholes, under the roads, searched every backyard and creek bed, had two separate sniffer dogs do their best as well. I feel so grateful to have learned from my little mighty man that love is eternal and the true meaning of devotion. I feel sure he was looking down on me, whistling in every backyard, and knowing that I was doing all I possibly could to respect our bond. He was more than a companion. It was a soul connection for sure. I'm sorry. I love you. Thank you. R.I.P. My mighty heart, my little fellow. This is Irene for Barking News. And now for our dog code of the day comes from John Grogan. John Grogan says, Such short little lives... Our pets have to spend with us, and they spend most of it waiting for us to come home each day. And that's it for today's episode. Please don't forget to follow us on our social media pages like Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search for Dog Coach Francis on those three platforms. Aside from Spotify, you can also catch The Dog Behind the Human on other audio streaming platforms like Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast and Radio Public. Again, this has been your host, Dog Coach Francis, and like I always say, keep healthy, keep safe, and don't forget to pet your dog. <laughs>